Thanks for listening to all the books. If you like what we do on the show and you like what you see on the site and you want to meet us and a bunch of the other Book Riot crew and about a thousand Book Riot community members and authors and just incredible publishing people, don't forget to register for Book Riot Live. Go to bookriotlive.com and use the offer code MOREcats. That's M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, all one word, to get $20 off your weekend ticket through August 31st. After August, the VIP tickets go away. Be sure to get in now so you can register early for all of the limited seating spots that we have. It's going to be a great weekend. Again, that's bookriotlive.com to see the full speaker lineup and use offer code MOREcats for $20 off your weekend registration. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 67, and today we are having a heat-induced bookish discussion about whatever. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> yes, it took us it took several me, times. <laughs> took me three attempts to do that Book Riot Live spot at the top. <laughs> yeah, and I had to start over. It's 9 million degrees basically everywhere. I know. I'm so surprised. I, like, everybody all over the country, my my Litzy friend in, in South Carolina, she's like, it's like 90-something. You were in Portland. It was 90-something. I saw somebody on Instagram say, it's 55 degrees here. And then I looked, and oh. she was in Iceland. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> That's not fair. That's not nice. 55 degrees. It's so hot. It's so hot. I know. I was going to say, I, I was in Portland last week. It was the first couple of days. It was wonderful because I flew out of Richmond on like a 98 degree day. And when I landed in Portland, it was like 75 and there was no humidity and it was really lovely. And it was chilly enough the next morning that I had to wear a hoodie when I sat out on the patio to drink coffee. And I was just like, oh, right. There's hope. Fall is coming to my part of the world. And it just feels like fall in Oregon all summer, apparently. And then the next day it was 97. You're like, hi. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. I just just got Tricked like you. a little, just a little taste of of comfort, but it's just been terrible everywhere. And between, at least for me, between the heat and the travel, like I have not been able to make myself read the things that I was supposed to be reading for this week. It's like the middle of August. New books is kind of on a slowdown, and also I just couldn't like I took them with me and all I could do was read a romance novel, which I'm not sorry about at all. Um, but when we were texting, figuring out how we were going to do this show, I was like, look, I've been reading good stuff, but they are not new releases this week. And also my brain hurts. Um, so we're just going to do whatever. Yeah, we're going to talk about great books. Um, it's our show. And we have the same problems that all readers have of never being able to catch up with everything that we want to read. And I think we all can relate to that feeling of like, here's the thing that I feel like I should be reading right now, but man, I just need brain candy, or I just need a certain kind of story, or I just need an escape. And so we are counting on you all to understand these feels and go along with us, even though we're not really doing new releases today. Yeah. And an incentive to sign up for the New Books newsletter is that I will still be discussing uh, the great titles that I read today. Um, usually there's a lot more of them, but today because I between the podcast and the newsletter but today I'm just going to do it in the newsletter yeah. so if and, you sign up you, know, you can still see new releases some recommendations we're going to talk about whatever because our brains are melting out our ears yeah. and the show is called all the books not yeah. just only new books so I feel fine about it it's okay 
People like to talk about books. I like to talk about books. I like to hear about books. Yeah. What book do you want to talk about first? I'm going to talk about One in a Million Boy by Monica Wood again. I know okay. I mentioned it recently when it came out because I missed it on its release day, and so I brought it up. But I just love this book so much. I haven't printed on it. And I have two friends, my my two closest friends who, who live here um, in Maine, and they were both like, you've been talking about this book so much, I want you to read it. And I was like, ah, I don't want them to read it because I love it so much. And we, you know, we are great friends. You, you don't just hang out with people who have, like, the same taste or anything. Um, but they they have different tastes in books than I do, and, and we don't always agree on everything. So I was oh, like, that's so nervous I was making. like, don't read it, don't read it, don't read it, you know? Like, it's great. It's great to have, like, other, you know, views on things and all the stuff. You know, if I just wanted to hang out with people like me, I would watch, you know, Winona Ryder and Beetlejuice every day all day long. <laughs> but... I was really, really nervous. I was like, oh, no. And they both loved it. And then we were like, oh, dear, we all loved the same book. Like, what's happening? It's the end of the world. But truly, this book is so amazing. Um, it's called One in a Million Boy. And here we go. The boy dies. Like, it's not a spoiler. It's what it's about. Um, they tell you on the jacket and on the first page and everything. There's a young boy. He is called The Boy. And he's 10 years old. He was uh, trying to complete his requirements for being a Boy Scout. And was hanging out with a 104-year-old woman um, doing some chores around her house and also interviewing her for a school project. Um, he dies suddenly. His father, Quinn, who is a musician and has not been there for most of his life, he feels guilty about this and decides to finish the boy's chores at Ona's house. Ona is the 104-year-old woman. Um, and while he does that, he talks to her about his son, who he didn't know very well. And also we get... Um, bits of interviews that the boy did with Ona for his school project and you learned about her. He was, like, the boy was really obsessed with the Guinness Book of World Records and he wanted her to be the world's oldest person as if, like, she had some choice in the matter. Just like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll do that. Yeah, I'll go for it, you know. Um, it's so, so sweet and just, it's a little, like, Owen Meany-ish and it's a little Harriet Wolfish and it's, I absolutely loved it. Like, I, I think that if um, if the boy had died at the end, it, it would have been, like, a cheat. It would have been more... It wouldn't have been, like, the one in a million boy. It would have been more like my girl, you know, which we all know mm -hmm. is, like, you know, ridiculous. I'm not crying. You're crying. Shut up. An um, entire generation of people afraid <laughs> of bees. Yes. Like, we're all scarred for life. Wasps? The bees are wasps. I don't remember. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. But it's... But she doesn't, you know, like, you know right from the beginning that the boy has passed away. And it's still, like, I still cried a million times. Um, it's just so good and enchanting and sweet and wonderful. Um, I loved it so much. Again, it's called The One in a Million Boy by Monica Wood. Uh, my first one this week is actually a book that's not out yet. And I'm sorry to do this, but it comes out on August 30th. And we are doing, on that day, a show about the big books of fall. So... I already made my picks for that. I want to have this one in too, um, but it is called A Scott in the Dark by Sarah McLean. This is the second book in her Scandal and Scoundrel series. And if you did not read the first book, now you have time to read the first book in the series before you pick up A Scott in the Dark on August 30th. The first one is called The Rogue Not Taken. In A Scott in the Dark, and I guess we should mention for if you're not uh, familiar with how romance series work, uh, it's often, it's usually not the same character 
characters, but that a character who's kind of a side character in one book becomes the main character in the next book. So you don't need to have read them in order. A Scott in the Dark absolutely stands on its own. Uh, the main character is Lillian Hargrove. She is in her mid-twenties. She missed having a season to uh, meet a man and get married because she is a ward of the Duke of Warnock. The uh, Scotsman, who is the current Duke of Warnock, was the 17th one in line for that position uh, after a series of like a jillion of them died suddenly and unexpectedly and did not hold the spot for very long. Uh, this guy, in fact, his name is Alex. Uh, Alex Stewart did not know that he was in line for this dukedom. Uh, and he doesn't care. He doesn't really want the position, but he finds out that part of his property essentially is this young woman, Lillian Hargrove, and that he is her, uh, he's in charge of her. She is her, uh, his ward. And he finds out about her at all because she's involved in a big scandal. Uh, there is an artist in town that has been courting her, uh, but quietly, privately, he uh, convinces her that he's in love with her. And so she thinks that she is in love with him and she agrees agrees to pose nude for him. And when the book begins, uh, he has just announced that he's going to have this big art exposition and that the final portrait will be a nude. Uh, and she freaks out. She's there at the public place where he makes this announcement. She freaks out and runs up on stage and screams and yells at him. And that's how everyone in polite society in Regency England there finds out that she is the one who posed for him. Uh, she says, you know, you told me that it was only for you, that no one would ever see it. That was a private thing. Uh, and of course, now it's not going to be a private thing because this guy has exploited her and is going to expose her. And now there is a scandal. And so Alex Stewart, the Duke of Warnock, shows up in town. He thinks that he's going to save her from scandal. And as romance novels would have it, they fall for each other. Um, the story is fantastic. The inspiration for this uh, Scandal and Scoundrel series that Sarah McLean is writing is modern gossip culture. And uh, there are gossip rags built into the text of the story. We learn about the ways that people are gossiping about each other, but she's really going all out here. All of her novels are very feminist, um, but this one really gets at themes that feel super familiar today. Um, we have all read stories online about uh, or see, even seen the photos of pictures that women shared with uh, lovers or friends or romantic partners that they shared with the expectation of privacy um, and that then when that privacy was violated they become the cause of the scandal they become the ones who are blamed you know she should never have taken those pictures if she didn't want the whole world to see them that kind of thing and Sarah McLean incorporates it right into this Regency story to really show you know how some of these things have not changed at all some of the ways that women are held in double binds about owning their bodies and their sexuality what happens when they do own their bodies and their sexuality are kind of tale as old as time in a frustrating way. Um, and she just turns a bunch of the romance tropes on their heads as well. If you're paying close attention, you notice that uh, a lot of the male gaze stuff that happens in even, you know, contemporary and very feminist romance novels, there's a lot about uh, the guy looking at the, the hero looking at the heroine and like drinking in the sight of her and observing, you know, what her curves look like. And here we get to see Lillian do that to Alec. Um, it's very subtle, but also very pointed. And she's taken a big risk. This is not like a lot of romance novels. It follows the formula, but she's doing something else entirely as well. Um, it's so important. And, you know, when we talk about romance on the site, we inevitably
inevitably get people who are like, well, feminists can't read romance novels, uh, which the only people who say that are people who have never read romance novels uh, and know that they can be quite feminist and uh, quite celebratory about love and sex and women owning their bodies. I just love, I mean, I love Sarah McLean. I love, love, loved this novel. Please put it on your lists for August 30th. And in the meantime, pick up, gosh, what was the first one? The Rogue Rogue. Not Taken. She's, she's got awesome. a couple she's got a couple rogue titles but yeah pick up the rogue not taken now read it before august 30th and then pick up a scott in the dark by sarah mclean she is so good so good yeah i was on a plane and i had finished i finished long division which i was reading last week and um it's like what am i gonna read now and i just you know that was in my bag and i couldn't pick up anything else i had to pick up sarah all right. Before we roll on to our your next uh, round of picks, we have our first sponsor this week. It's The Edge of the Light by Elizabeth George. This is a suspense novel. It's a psycholo- psychological suspense story um, out from Penguin Teen now. You probably recognize Elizabeth George's name. She is a like very many multiple times New York Times bestselling and award-winning author. And she also writes the popular um, British crime novels um, series about Inspector Thomas Lindley. Uh, for, those are for adults. But here in The Edge of the Light, uh, we're on Whidbey Island, where it may appear to be a tranquil haven, but not all is as it's, or everything is not as it seems. Uh, Derek's reunion with his sister creates unexpected tensions. Jen struggles with her sexuality. And while Seth questions if his beloved Prin will overcome her drug addiction, Becca discovers that her hidden identity is in danger of being revealed. With twists and turns readers will never see coming, The Edge of the Light is the thrilling finale of Elizabeth George's New York Times best seller saga, Visitors to Whidbey Island. Uh, and if you want to start the series in order, the first book is The Edge of Nowhere, then there's The Edge of the Water, then The Edge of the Shadows, and this, The Edge of the Light, is book four. Uh, the whole theme of the Whidbey Island series is that there are so many secrets and so many lies that on Whidbey Island, only one person knows the truth. Um, speaking of stuff that's great for summer binge reading, this series is perfect. It's the great way to spend a weekend or two when it's hot and you're inside and you just want to read something chilling. Uh, the Edge of the Light resolves the burning mysteries of the Whidbey Island saga and has su- surprising and satisfying answers. So pick up The Edge of the Light by Elizabeth George. Or if you want to start at the beginning, the first one is The Edge of Nowhere um, out now from Penguin Teen. And we'll have a link in the show notes. She's so amazing. Is she? My mother-in-law loves oh her. Goodness. I know so many people who just have stacks and stacks and stacks of Elizabeth George, no- George novels, but I've never read her. Oh, she's so fantastic. And I've read all of her Inspector Lindley books, mm-hmm. and it, I remember, like, several years ago, I found out that she was American. I thought she, she was British, and I was like, oh, huh? I didn't she's know that. She's amazing. You would, like, you would never know. It's, it's almost like really she lived research. through it. She must be timeless. You just assume that she was British, because she, she's incredible. She's so cool. Um, I am so excited about this next book that I'm going to talk about. Um, it. I just received it. We talked about David Grant a couple weeks ago, um, his book, Sherlock, uh, Devil and Sherlock Holmes, and his new book, which does not come out until April, I'm very sorry to be telling you about it, is called The... <laughs> <laughs> this is the third take, readers. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> I just, I keep losing my mind here. Okay, yeah. It takes two to make a thing go right. <laughs> exactly. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon. The Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI. And I absolutely love David Grant. 
He's so fantastic. This, I had never heard of this story. It's completely insane. It's about how the Osage Indian Nation in Oklahoma found oil under their land, and it turned them into the richest people per capita in the world. Um, but then their family started to be killed off under mysterious circumstances, and it's about how the FBI, they started the FBI, got involved. It's incredible. But I wanted to mention, because it's super, super hot in here, obviously, it's melting our brains, um, his first book is The Lost City of Z. If you've so never good. read The Lost City of Z, A Tale of Deadly Obsession in the Amazon, run, don't walk, to get it right now. It is so much fun. It is everything that you want in a summer book, plus it takes place in this super hot heat. It's so awesome. It's the true story of the legendary British explorer Percy Fawcett, who was like a real-life Indiana Jones. He was one of the people that Indiana Jones was based on. And this is back when we hadn't explored all of the world. We didn't have satellite images and he used to go on the crazy expeditions. And it, it was kind of like he would pack more than you need. They would take along more people than they need because no one, not all of the people came back every time. Like, they would always lose people. It's like you read about these tales. It's so scary. He's like, well, we're going to lose about 25% of the people on the trip. And people would still go on these trips knowing that these were like the odds. It's crazy. Um, and then one day he decided to go look for the lost city of Z, the, you know, uh, city of gold, this legendary city. Um, and he decided that he was going to go with, with only his son and his son's best friend. And the three of them marched off into the woods, never to be seen again. And many, many, many people have died trying to figure out what happened to them. And David Grant himself takes this trip. He decided, hey, you know, things are a little different now. I'm going to go look for it myself. I'm going to see if I can find the city of Z. And it's so fascinating. It's, it's just such a fantastic book. It was picked up, I can't remember if it, I think it was Brad Pitt, it's either Brad Pitt or Leonardo, they buy like all the rights to everything now, um, and it's supposed to be being made into a movie at some point, but it's so fantastic, so while you're waiting for The Killer Moon, check out uh, The Lost City of Z by David Gran. So good. That's one of those two that I think if you don't read much nonfiction or you are laboring under the misapprehension that nonfiction is like dry and boring, the lost city of Z will disabuse you of those notions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so good. It was my, uh, number one hand sell for the nine years that I was a bookseller. I sold it's, more copies of this yeah. nonfiction than, than anything else. It's fantastic. I know we both don't like to say when nonfiction, like, Oh, it reads like fiction as if somehow fiction is better than nonfiction or that nonfiction should right. be like trying to feel like fiction, but so much of like the risks that they take, like you were talking about it are just like, they're so astonishing. Some of the things that happen uh, to these real life explorers that it seems like, okay, if we didn't know that this was true, you would think that they must've been making some of it up. Yeah. Um, it's just such an absorbing story. That's a great pick. Yay. My next one is Invisible Man Got the Whole World Watching by Michael Denzel Smith. Um, this came out in June. I missed it. I don't really know why, except it's from a smaller publisher. It's put out by Nation Books. Um, and so I don't think it got, you know, all the publicity that a book like this would have gotten if it had been put out by a large publisher. I first learned about it, um, I guess, back in June, early July, when Lisa Lucas and Kevin Wynn came on the Book Riot podcast um, to talk with me about the best books of the year so far. And Lisa Lisa, who is the executive director of the National Book Foundation, recommended this as one of her best books. And then when I was in Powell's in Portland making my first uh, pilgrimage to the mothership, I saw it on a display. And I, I don't know like what other people do when I'm traveling. I often don't seek out bookstores because um, I guess it feels like work.
work or like if we pass one, I'll go into one. But like bookstore tourism is not my thing. You're um, crazy. I know. That's just <laughs> I know. crazy talk. I know. But like Powell's is such a you know, giant store, both literally and figuratively. It's kind of one of those flagship destinations uh, that I, I had to go. And I usually when I'm traveling, I like to try to buy books in bookstores. Like I try to look for something that they're displaying that I've never heard of, um, which is a thing that happens like as much attention as we pay to books there are just way more books in the world than we can keep up with and i almost inevitably can walk into an indie bookstore and find something that's like a face out with a shelf talker that i've never heard of before um, and that's usually the method that i use when i'm buying books um, on the road is to pick up something that i hadn't heard of yet and sort of let the booksellers hand sell to me or do it indirectly with shelf talkers um, so powell's had that display for Invisible Man got the whole world watching. And even though I had heard of it before, I went ahead and made that my like, this is what the bookstore is selling to me. And I've only heard about it a little bit from one person. Uh, this is a memoir. Uh, Michael Denzel Smith started thinking about it and writing it when he was 25, which was the year that Trayvon Martin was killed. Um, and as a young black boy, Michael Denzel Smith did not expect to make it to 25. He never planned for what his life would look like at 25 because so many terrible things happen to so many black boys before they have the opportunity to become black men. Um, they're faced with violence. They end up in prison. You know, if you've been listening to the show, we've talked about a bunch of the books that address those uh, systemic and cultural issues. And so this is his memoir of coming to political consciousness, um, being a late teenager and reading Malcolm. Um, and then going to college and realizing that all of the black political thought that he had been reading uh, was work by men and that he thought of um, the work against black oppression to be men's work. And then finally uh, had a professor who was like, hi, you've been missing the fact that black women are heavily involved in the liberation movement. So you need to start reading black women. Um, and then as he does that, he starts thinking about how even though as a black man, he lives in an oppressive system, he has also absorbed all of the other messages that American culture sends people. So he's absorbed messages of misogyny. He's absorbed messages of homophobia and of transphobia. Um, he has bigoted ideas about people of other races, and he starts to try to unpack all of that. Um, I'm about halfway through it. I started reading it yesterday on the flight home, and he is talking so much about intersectionality. I haven't seen him use that word yet, but that's really what's going on here is how um, one young black man started to think about not just his own experience, but about like if we are doing social justice work, um, what does it take? What does each of us need to be thinking about? What are all of these different factors that affect people's experiences of um, racism, of sexism, of oppression? And how can we consider those? And, you know, how do you move towards the kind of society that we want to live in? It's so smart and thoughtful. It pulls no punches. But he's also very open about, you know, the missteps and the sort of things that he's able to look back on as, oh, wow, I once thought that that was how um, I should live my life. And here's what I figured out as I've become older. And he's open, of course, to growth in the future. Um, it's 
It is really wonderful. Um, if you have been picking up the books that we've talked about on the show that have addressed race, things like um, Ta-Nehisi Coates's Between the World and Me and The Fire This Time that was edited by Jesmyn Ward uh, that I talked about a few weeks ago. If you read Citizen by Claudia Rankine, if, um, if these are issues that you are thinking about, you need to be adding this book to your stack. Um, again, it's called Invisible Man Got the Whole World Watching. It's by Michael Denzel Smith. Fantastic. So good. It's so good. Um, I see your next title on the agenda, and it's very appropriate for well, what we're doing today. Yeah, it's partly why I picked it, because, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you a little bit about The Summer That Melted Everything by Tiffany McDaniel. I believe I mentioned it recently. It's another one of those books that I didn't get a chance to get to until it had already come out. And, oh, my goodness, it's amazing. Uh, again, it's called The Summer That Melted Everything, which is, you know, what is going on right now. It's sort of like Stephen King wrote a Shirley Jackson novel or maybe oh. like Flannery O'Connor wrote Needful Things. Um, it's so fantastic. It's about the summer of 1984 in Ohio. There's a young boy named Fielding Bliss, and he meets a 13-year-old in town who appears to be a runaway, but he claims to be the devil and said that he is answering an invitation that one of the townsfolks invited him there. Um, Fielding takes him home with him. He's welcomed into their family. Um, but, ev- you know, everyone kind of thinks he's a runaway. But then, you know, rumors of the devil actually being in town uh, start to spread. It's super dark. It's super dark. It's super upsetting. Um, it's brilliant. Her writing is a bit unusual, but it's fantastic. Um, her, his father's name is Autopsy. I mean, there are some, like, really weird things. But, um, you know, as the heat you know, it gets hotter and the rumors fly, you know, old grievances and, and you know, past wrongs sort of come to a head and it it's, gets ugly in the heat. You know, it drives people to craziness. Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic novel. I absolutely love the cover, too. Again, it's called The Summer That Melted Everything by Tiffany McDaniel. And it's completely appropriate for right now. <laughs> it absolutely is. Like, I just want to eat popsicles all day long. Oh, my goodness. One of the things that I do not have to worry about so much anymore in this horrible heat is wearing an uncomfortable bra. Look at that segue. Thank you very much. I know you guys have heard us talk about it a million times. I will talk about it a million more. Seriously, Third Love's 24-7 t-shirt bra has changed my life. It is the most comfortable bra I have owned I mean, there have been, like, a lot of times where people are like, oh, this bra will revolutionize, and by that they mean if you are a very small size, you know, this will be very comfortable for you. you know? Or if you're looking to, like, push your breasts up to your chin. Right. Yeah. Like, I am an ample-bosomed woman, you know. I think the medical term is a ooga. But, <laughs> you know, it's it actually works. Like, it actually <laughs> works. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. When they said, we're going to give you these things to try out, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, like... Here's another one that's going to be like, we're going to revolutionize things. It's another it's gonna... bra that's going to disappoint me. Yes. It's so comfortable. It's so comfortable. At the end of the day, when I take it off, I don't have those, like, red tracks in my shoulders. And it's it's just so nice. Sometimes I forget that I have it on. It's that comfortable. You know, it's super smoothing and it's invisible under your clothes. The cups are made out of memory foam, so it sort of molds to your shape. doesn't force you to do anything you don't want to. It, <laughs> it truly gives you the perfect fit. And, it, you know, it's so amazing. And Third Love stands by this product so much that they are willing to let listeners try this bra for free. You just pay for the shipping. You wear it for 30 days. You can take the tags off, wear it, wash it, you know, really just do whatever you do. You know, try it out. 
If you love it, you keep it and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back for free and your card will not be charged. And if you don't know your size, there's a friendly online fit specialist that can help you find your perfect fit. So go to thirdlove.com slash books to get started. And, you know, like I said, it's it's the most comfortable bra I've ever owned. So I don't, I think it's a win-win. You know, like you can't lose here. Again, it's thirdlove.com slash books. Yes, everyone should do that. Yes. Speaking of good, you know, hot weather reading, I'm flipping the things of the, from the order that they're in, in the agenda. Um, this is another one that I picked up at Powell's because another thing that I do when I'm book shopping uh, and traveling is pick up something that's recommended by the person that I'm shopping with. And I was with Jeff O'Neill. He is the CEO of Book Riot. He lives in Portland now and gets to hang out at Powell's however much he wants. Uh, but he, he has been recommending this to me. He listened to it on audio. I picked it up in print. It's Barbarian Days. A Surfing Life by William Finnegan. It won the Pulitzer uh, earlier this year for autobiography. And this is a memoir of obsession. So this connects to Lost City of Z uh, and to David Grant's work as well. We have like connections and segues happening here, even though this is a heat induced show about whatever. Because they're all <laughs> melting into one. Um, it's about how surfing is not just a sport, but a, a kind of addiction. It's a very dangerous pastime. It's a way of life. Um, Finnegan was raised in California and Hawaii, and he started surfing as a child, but the, he has surfed all over the world from the South Pacific, Australia, Asia, Africa. He was also a bookish kid and then a very adventurous uh, man, and he went on to become a writer and a war reporter, and Barbarian Days goes into all of those unfamiliar worlds, um, some of which are right under our noses, and apparently also takes a close look at male friendships that are forged uh, in the surfing culture. And male friendships, I think, don't get nearly enough attention in fiction or nonfiction. So I'm excited to read about that as well. Um, when Jeff and I were standing in front of the shelves and I was like, okay, I know you love Barbarian Days. Do you think I would like it? He was like, yeah, it's a really interesting memoir. Also, you like to travel. And so it gets at some of those things. Um, I'm excited to read it. I, I'm not sure I would have picked it up on my own. You know, like I love a good memoir, but I don't know that a surfing story is one that I would have just gone for. But I trust Jeff's recommendations and everything about this book sounds amazing and you don't win the Pulitzer for nothing. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm probably going to cycle it up and like read it instead of a new release in another week or two because um, I'm just really looking forward to finding out uh, what all's going on here, uh, what the buzz is all about. So again, that one is Barbarian Days, A Surfing Life by William Finnegan. It's fantastic. The heat is affecting my brain. I cannot remember if I talked about it on the podcast or if I mentioned it in the newsletter, but it's yeah, I don't so, remember either. so good. Now, when I was a little kid, when I was like in elementary school, and my mom was a librarian, she, she worked with these two women who each had a teenage son. And one of them told me about Powell's. He told me like, oh, there's this place out in, in Oregon where it's like, a bookstore it's the biggest bookstore in the world and it's like you know miles long or like bl city blocks or else and i thought he was full of it because the other kid he told me he knew clive barker and he was such a liar and also <laughs> i think he stole the library's copy of books of blood and i'm still waiting for him to return it so like, we're still mad at like, him like why would i he's like you know a bookstore the size of several blocks i was like he's such a liar you know until i was like older and i was like oh my goodness he wasn't lying I'm so jealous that you got to go there. I, I, that's on my, you know, destination list. Yeah, Powell. It was amazing. It was, yeah, it was great. Like I kind of, I think that I, 
benefited because my expectations somehow weren't very high. Like often I think those this is a giant bookstore experiences are just like supposed to be impressive because it happens to be a giant bookstore. But I was blown away. Like the front room of Powell's is huge and it's airy and it has a lot of natural light. And the table, like the display tables that are themed around different themes were things were interesting themes and they shelve um, new and used copies together. So you could be looking at like a title that's come out in the last year that's a front list title and you could buy a brand new hardcover of it or like under the stack there might be a used hardcover that was you know a lot less expensive and Powell's wants you to get those books they don't they just it's not just about selling you uh, the brand new title and they're not making it hard to find the used titles at all. Like you don't have to do extra work to find a used copy of a book, which I super appreciated. And also the like the organization of it, the rooms are themed. So there's like a travel, a big travel room and a big children's room. And all of the sideline items were put in those rooms as well. Instead of just having like, yeah, instead of just having like one spot in the store that was the stuff that's not books. Um, which a lot of bookstores do it that way. Like, here's all the T-shirts and the tote bags and the coffee mugs. Like, they had an area that was Powell's swag. But then when you're in the travel section, it's like, here's all of your travel books. Like, here's your guide to New Zealand. Here are maps of everywhere you could ever want to go in the world. Here are all your travel memoirs. But they also had, a like, a big shelf of travel accessories like inflatable neck pillows you take on the plane and a big display of Timbuktu messenger bags in different sizes and like other sort of tiny items you would put in your travel bag that would be useful, which I just thought is a really thoughtful way to organize a bookstore. Like, oh, you're standing in the travel section. Are you going on a trip? Here are some things that might help you on that trip. Uh, and it's also very smart because that seems to me to be a really good way to sell more stuff, which is good for bookstores. Um, but there were face out shelves all over the place with um, staff recommendations. And they also have visiting authors write shelf talkers. Um, so I took a picture of one of the books that was on their um, recommended shelves in the front area of the store was a book that Juno Diaz had recommended when he was there recently. So they have the authors do those. What was it? Um, oh, I don't remember. It's I took a... Oh. I'll I'll find it for you. <laughs> but I was I sort of I Snapchatted the Powell's visit on the Book Riot Snapchat account. And I, one of the shots was that book. I don't remember what it was. But that was really cool, too. It was cool to like walk around and be reading a shelf talker and then be like, oh, this is from an author I know. And um, sort of having authors recommend things to readers is so interesting. I know um, other bookstores do that as well. But it was cool to just see so many of them in one place. We were there for about an hour. Um, I could have spent like days just wandering around. It's, it's a store that's really set up to discover things. And uh, it was awesome. I'm, I'm very happy that I got to go. So jealous. I know. <laughs> What's next on your list? Well, you were talking about recommendations and I'm going to do a little thing. Um, you know, I know sometimes it seems like I read all the books, but I do not. I've, you know, barely brushed the surface. And I picked up several books recently that were recommended to me by the internet, um, by other bookish folks, other authors, people that I admire and respect. Um, and I was going to mention a few of them, see if anybody out there, you know, has read them, anybody out there was interested in them. So how does that sound? That sounds good. All right. Uh, the first one is called Golden Years, an Iranian punk beat novel by Ali Eskandarian. Um, it, some, you know, a uh, music critic, I think, uh, mentioned how fantastic this book was. It is a novel, but how, however, it is based on the true story. Apparently, 
He was murdered alongside two members of the Iranian band The Yellow Dogs in Williamsburg, Brooklyn in November of 2013. He was in the process of writing. Um, he was writing back and forth with a, a journalist, I believe, and it kind of turned into this novel. They took it and made it into a book. It's supposed to be fantastic. I picked up The White Devil by Justin Evans, which I don't know how this got by me, but when I mentioned it on Twitter and Litzy, everyone was like, oh, yes, that book is amazing. It's this sort of horror story with the most horrific cover um it's called sex death and boarding school on the back so that sounds like something <laughs> yes, for you right there it does i picked up a book called wolf whistle by lewis norden uh two authors that i admire clark knowles and travis mulhauser um he wrote sweet girl which is one of my favorite books of the year they both mentioned this book and that it's one of their very very favorites um it's based on the murder of emmett till which is a very famous um, horrible American history fact, and it it sounds really intense and fantastic. I picked up Freeman or Freeman by Leonard Pitts Jr. Um, mostly because it was recommended by Howard Frank Mosier, who is a fantastic author. I don't actually even know what this is about, and it doesn't say it on the back. So there you go. I just blindly <laughs> purchased that, um, and I picked up Black Rabbit Hall by Eve Chase. I keep going like, oh, it's going to be out in paperback soon. But every time I think that, then I see someone else say, hey, this is really cool. And so I finally, I picked it up in hardcover. Um, it's about Black Rabbit Hall, a London family's country estate where no two clocks read the same. Oh. Summers there are perfect and timeless. Hours spent roaming the woods alongside with the, her twin brother, Toby. I missed the part where there's, it's about a girl named Amber. <laughs> Strolling the beach hand in hand with the two youngest and lazing on the terrace next to Mama. Nothing much happens until a stormy evening in 1968, and the fabric that has bound the Alton clan together begins to unravel. So, it looks awesome. And those are the books that I will be reading soon, you know. I like, I yeah. love getting recommendations. Sometimes I feel like people don't want to mention, you know, other books to me, and I'm just like, please tell me everything that I should read. I want to know. <laughs> I love recommendations. It's, it's what I breathe. So... Yep. And that leads us nicely to my last pick, which is a book that you have been recommending to me for as long as we've been friends. I know, but no. Uh, and that the internet has recommended a million times. And I've been like afraid to pick it up partially because I'm a little bit worried that I will do the thing that you were mentioning at the top of like, what if I don't love this book that, that everyone loves and then I disappoint all of my bookish friends. But it satisfied the criteria that I was shopping with at Powell's. It was on a display with a shelf talker. It had been recommended to people, been recommended to me by people that I trust, trusted, and it was like a moment of sort of serendipity because I've had a jillion opportunities to buy this book, and I just never have before. It's Geek Love by Catherine Dunn, uh, <laughs> who also was from Portland, um, so that was a cool connection as well. Somehow, I do not know what the book is about. And I think what? it's because when people talk about geek love, they just talk about how amazing it is and like how much they love it and how much it changed their reading lives and that it's a book that they always go back to and will recommend forever. Um, but they don't talk about what it's actually about, which is how I prefer to encounter books. So I've bought Geek Love. It, I own it. It's now on the stack next to my desk. I haven't read the back of it. I've never looked at a synopsis. Oh my goodness. So I know. Like I, I also feel like this means that I should start reading it today before anyone has the opportunity to spoil me on it. Yes. Like I have managed to become a 33 year old woman without knowing what geek love is about, but like the, the days might be numbered um, on how long that lasts. So yeah. I don't want to get spoiled. I'm going to read 
read it really soon. Uh, but I'm I'm excited. I, I feel like I have that Jesse Spano. Like I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Um, but mostly excited. I if hope you that don't I love like it, it, don't tell me. I won't. I'll just never mention Geek Love ever again. I won't be able to handle it. <laughs> I'm going to read that super soon. Um, that last round also kind of just did the what are you going to read next thing for us. Yeah, I'm actually I'm headed off to well, I'm headed off to play World of Warcraft. But after that, I'm going to read Perfect Little World, the new Kevin Wilson. He wrote The Family Thing. Oh, that and just yeah, I got my hands on the new one. Showed up in the mail for me yesterday. I'm not sure that I knew he had a new book coming out so i'm excited about you that obviously don't listen to me rant inside my house enough <laughs> I'm just like, I just, uh, yeah. lots of squealing yeah i am just gonna go i think probably watch a bunch of olympics this yeah. afternoon in a tub um, of ice yeah right <laughs> Crazy. This is a totally random aside, but I have a rental car right now because my car is in the shop and it has air conditioned seats. What? And yeah. And like about five minutes after you start driving, if you turn on the air conditioned seats, they start to get cool. And I'm seriously considering just driving around all afternoon. Yeah. Plus, it's a rental. So, like, drive that over curbs and stuff. Do some U turns. <laughs> you know, With throw my... it into park while you're still, you know, driving down the street. Like, who cares? Pull donuts with my air conditioned yeah. booty. Yeah. <laughs> it's delightful. I've never like, heard of that. That's very strange. I mean, I it know was a big yeah. seats. But. I was just like, who knew? Like, is this how the other half lives? <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's weird. Amazing. Anyway, this was our heat induced book, <laughs> bookish discussion about whatever. Uh, let us know how you like shows like this. I think both of us might like to do uh, occasionally more frequent free flowing shows so that our reading isn't just tied specifically to new releases. But we know that you're listening to this show because it's a show about new releases. So let us know either way um, how you feel about rants about whatever sometimes that doesn't if you hate them it doesn't mean we'll never do them but we would like to know uh how you guys or if you love these shows that would be you know useful to know too so drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on twitter i'm rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y liberty is miss liberty thanks again to our sponsors this week the edge of the light by elizabeth george it's out from penguin teen you can get it wherever books are sold or find the link in our show notes and third love go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free <laughs> 30-day trial with the 24-7 t-shirt bra. And of course, don't forget to register for Book Riot Live before the end of August. BookRiotLive.com. Use the offer code MORECATS to get $20 off your weekend registration. And again, when you register before August 31st, you'll have access to the cool VIP benefits as well. If you got a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, we always appreciate that. Let's us know how we're doing. More importantly, it helps other people that are looking for bookish podcasts find their way to us. Uh, and it's always fun to to grow the family that way and as much as we would love to keep talking about books we have to go where there is air conditioning uh, but you can read about titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter all right lib happy, happy reading, reading.